Thank you, Lord, for attentive spirits, ears, eyes, and hearts to hear your word, to understand your word, to incorporate your word into all of our activities, to be doers, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. So we thank you, Lord, that we are doers of your word in every area, even the areas that may seem challenging. We do your word, and we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, and praise God, praise God, praise God. So today we're going to talk about uh, meditation to transformation, amen. Meditate till you are transformed by the word. Don't stop on the transformation process, amen. We are being changed into his glorious image on a daily basis if we will stay um, uh, in the will of God and stay, keep up with God, understand what he's doing. Uh, when you don't understand it, obey anyway. Amen. Uh, because it's the right thing to do and, but seek understanding. You know, it's, it's a good way to, uh, uh, get the most benefit out of your covenant with God is through understanding. So it's, it's, um, always good to, to challenge, uh, your thinking and seek God's, what does God say about this? What's he really say? Uh, what's he saying here, et cetera, et cetera. So, we need to continually uh, keep ourselves in a place where we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. The renewing of our minds. Second Timothy 2.15, if you'll go there, um, this is one of the the um, um, mandates in the word. And I know this is a, a book that was written to a man who was a pastor, more than likely an apostle, because Timothy also um, did some things that we identify with the uh, apostolic anointing. But he says, um, in, he says to, to study, to show yourself approved unto God. And that's not just what for a pastor. Why should believers be locked out of that? Amen. We are all to study the word of God, you know, know it like you, you know, the back of your hand, know it as well as you can, because that's where life and all the provision of God is contentment. I mean, spiritual provision, um, you know, sometimes as you grow older, the spiritual aspect gets to be much more important to you than the natural, but it should be important to us at all ages. But he says, study to show yourself approved unto God. So what I, what I, take that to mean is stay in the word until God says you've done enough (laughs) that probably won't ever happen but you know we we put it down for a season go back again put it down for a season go back again hopefully daily we pick up the word of God it says and if you do that you'll be a workman so we believers have a ministry believers as well as fivefold so we are all workmen so you'll be a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the more you study, the more you get a uh what they call a right dividing of the word. Dividing meaning understanding. So you'll you'll have a right understanding of the word of God and not some made up stuff or some false understanding or something that doesn't hold truth and hold water. It says, but do this, shun profane and vain babblings. 
Well, you know, what does that mean? Religious talk? You know, nonsense talk? The latest fad that, that somebody sees on somebody's ministry page or Facebook or whatever it is, you know, whatever their wealth transfer, um, uh, you know, some of the things that maybe started out with revelation, but as they get diluted into, to mainstream talk, you know, church talk, the meaning of it gets profaned. It gets dirtied up. Amen. And it gets, uh, in a carnal, into a carnal place in a person's soul where they, sometimes people get obsessed with certain things, certain doctrines. They just can't get them out their brain. You know, that would be a, 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 a profane thing because really you've taken what's holy and you put it over into the realm of your soul where it gets muddied, it gets dirty, it gets confused, it gets mistaught and misspoken and all of that. And, and then too, you know, Christians tend to like to just out talk each other, you know, and you get into disagreements and arguments with people about uh, you know, what you think and what's right and what's, you know, we'd like to, like we're the confession po- Nazis, the confession police, the talk police, the doctrine police. We start policing everybody. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, and Paul said, just avoid that. Why did he say that? Cause people were doing it. And it's a temptation to do it at every age. I look at it this way. If you got enough time to argue with a brother, sister, and the Lord, somebody ain't doing what the Great Commission is. You need to go find some sinners to go talk to. And you won't have as much to say to your brother or sister in the Lord. Amen. And so it's always a, a lure and a temptation to pull people away from what, what really we are called to do. And so he he tells us it leads to ungodliness. You start talking, talking, yanging, yanging, and every time you get with somebody, you got to tell them what you think the Bible says and what this and that and the other. You know, just go somewhere and, and go study yourself. Study till God approves of you. Because it's not for us to approve of one another. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Paul says you have, you don't have need for a man to teach you. You're taught by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now we can share some things and edify each other and share back and forth, but don't get into a habit. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'll, 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 God will inspire me to do some things to reach out to people, which I don't hang on people's Facebook page and want to tell them every, every other you know, breath, what I think about anything, but, but God will inspire me to do something. And they fall within the realm of what I know my gift is. You got me? And so that's always a good indicator if you're in the right lane. See? And so, uh, there were a couple people this week that I, I mentioned to them about one of the things that God does with me is, is helps me to encourage giftings and especially writers you know there have been a number of people that i've just come to them at the right time and and they'll say things like you know i'm glad you said that because that that thought came across my mind today but i put it aside he said now i know god's telling me to do this you understand what i'm saying that's a person i ain't taught i never get on their page i'll click a like if they you know having a birthday or celebration or Send a happy birthday to 
obligatory, <laughs> obligatory Facebook happy birthday things. I send those, but, but I'm not just hanging around them all the time trying to speak into their lives. That's just perverse. You know what I'm saying? That's just weird. And so, and I don't, I don't think it's any great thing. I'm just thankful I heard from God and I was obedient and that's the end of it. I mean, on to the next adventure. And so, uh, it, it's just good to understand who you are, what your role is, what your function is. Stay in your lane. Amen. I don't want people waiting every day for me to prophesy to them. You understand what I'm saying? Um, that's twisted too. You know what I'm saying? And all of that kind of stuff. Or advise them or tell them what I think about so-and-so and such-and-such. You know, that's just, that ain't my job. And I know it's not my job. And so here Paul begins to to just encourage but also admonish Timothy about how to conduct himself. Why? So his spirit will stay pure. See, there's certain things that we do. The way your lifestyle should uh encourage your spirit to stay pure and undefiled. If it starts getting defiled or disturbed or something like that, you need to make some changes. Amen. You need to either make changes in your company, the way you relate to your company. Something needs to change because life should not defile you. Life should should strengthen you. And really, that's why God developed the church and church fellowship and Christian fellowship is to build one another up and not defile one another. Amen. And so you just just have to, to do that. Understand that your your spirit is belongs to God. And and you know the the things that we need to do, we need to do to keep ourselves in verse twenty one, he says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, vain, profane, you know, all that kind of stuff, he shall will be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use. Amen. And so it's about living a holy and sanctified life that enables us to get this transformation, study to show ourselves approved unto God and let that word transform us. Let that relationship with God transform us so that we can be set aside, fit for the master's use, every good work. There won't be anything you're ill-prepared for. Everything that God wants you to do, you'll be able to accomplish it because of your study and the way you live your life. Amen. It's not just for you to, to stay in the Bible all the time and gain what you think is quote-unquote knowledge. There has to be a lifestyle to go of. It has to, to interpret into your lifestyle. And it has to be a lifestyle that reflects holiness. Amen. So when we understand that, then we'll understand that, ah, now I can have confidence when a sick person comes up to me. Amen. Or when somebody, when I run into somebody that needs something of the Lord, you know, they'll be open to receive. Uh, sometimes people who don't live in a sanctified manner, that door never opens for them. Got me? And people don't want to, oh, I want to pray for somebody. How come I never get a chance to pray for somebody? Well, you better go over and talk to Timothy. <laughs> Timothy got your answer, amen. And and it's a good thing to to question those things. God, I want to do more for you. Sometimes we're afraid of what God will tell us to do in order to prepare for it. 
And it's really nothing that we can't do. Something we should be doing anyway. But if you slip up, God has a way to, for you to get yourself back where you belong. So in rightly dividing the word of truth, we must have God's input. You can only do it with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there is a reward to studying until God approves of you. Amen. There's a reward to it. Study comes through meditation. Romans 12.1 warns us not to be conformed to the world. In other words, shed some of that old way of thinking, shed some of that, uh, some of the old interests, the old behaviors, all of those things. We need to shed those things. And he says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you can't do this in your flesh. You you have to have the grace of God, the empowerment of God in your life, divine empowerment to do these things. And it is mercy there for you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is just reasonable. Amen. It's your reasonable service. Amen. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Come out of the world's thinking. Come out of the world's desires, the world's behavior, by the renewing of your mind. So if you stay in the word after a while, you're a changed person. You're a transformed person. When you first get saved, you get the seed of that transformation. You get the the, the Holy Spirit in you, and he's able to coach you and guide you, but you're not going to get very strong if you don't feast on the word. And so the more you feast on the word and allow the Holy Spirit to minister the truth of the word to you, it transforms you. Your mind becomes renewed so that you can prove out the things of God. Amen. You can walk out the will of God through a transformed mind. See, if you just try to do it through getting a few scriptures and you're not transformed, you're going to hit a brick wall pretty soon. There's, there's certain things your flesh will get tired of trying to obey God. You know, that's the old covenant that was done away with. God will see it's, it's a thing like the religion versus relationship. If you're honest and you're true to God, you'll spend time with them. But a lot of times we get around church people and we want to act like we spent time with God. Uh, you know, we just, Mine ain't renewed worth two cents, but we got a lot to say about, you know, spiritual things. And so once we understand that there is a difference, amen. I remember when I first started, I was so um, desirous of praying for sick people. And and I just believed in healing because God had healed me, you know, as a part of my my salvation. You know, I had to walk it out. Uh, for quite a while, but eventually I got to that place where I knew that I knew that I knew that was healed. I got rid of all the medications and tranquilizers and everything. The therapist was gone. Everybody, you know, I got rid of all the, all that stuff, you know, got rid of it. And so, um, I, I was, I was walking out that and, and, but something Emmy kept saying, I, I just kept coming back to scriptures where Jesus would pray, would heal people. And I wanted to do it. 
And so I said, well, God, maybe I just do what I see you do in the Bible. You know, now I had some renewing of my mind, but I would, I would pray for people and I noticed they didn't get instantly healed. And I didn't, I dropped it the first time it failed. I dropped it and I'm glad I did. Because I see what the problem is in the body of Christ. People who have failed attempts continue to do the same thing. And they wind up with a form, but no power. Got me? So when you find out you're not getting the results that Jesus got, you stop. And that's what I did. And I went back to God. I said, God, why, why isn't it working for me? What do I need to do? And he started, began to show me scriptures like this study until I tell you I've approved of your study and you receive an anointing and an unction to do those things. And I realized that the anointing came in increments. Got me? You can't, such as you have, you give. You can't give what you don't have. And I really didn't have enough knowledge about the anointing, healing ministry, any of that stuff. Now, I, I and people, you know, this is the odd thing. For me, the authority and the, the sensitivity to cast out devils came long before the healing was perfected. Yet, people in the church see it the reverse. See, like, Spiritual warfare and casting out, oh, that's something for, you know, mature people or knowledgeable people. You know, the Bible says resist the devil, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. So to me, that was kind of like elementary. I'm like, you can't get to the corner store if you don't get that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so I realized that religion has things reverse of, of what the kingdom does. Amen. And the power to heal comes with that. But healing is a little more complex because you can't just say, I I read about healing and I know God's given me an unction. I can heal everybody. You know, that won't happen. I wish it were so, but, but there are people who have devoted many, many years to understanding the anointing and how to to get people well and things of that nature and are still working on it. There are times where you'll have, you know, pretty good seasons of doing things and opportunities come up and then you have dormant seasons where you don't see many opportunities at all to exercise your faith and, and operate under the anointing. Some people are waiting for open doors for many years before God releases them. Amen. And so it comes through the study, it comes through the devotion, it comes through um, protecting the anointing, living a holy life, understanding what that means, what it is and wasn't what it isn't. But it also comes through being diligent, just p- continuing to pursue understanding, continuing to pursue knowledge, continuing to pursue uh, the power of God to do the things that he's called you to do. You know, there has to be a deliberate, I think, pursuit of these things. They're not accidental. They come, you know, on purpose. Um, 
that, you know, you can't be accidental about, um, what God's called you to do. You can't be accidental about whether or not you can pray for the sick and see them recover, expect them to recover. You can't be accidental about anything. You have to be intentional and deliberate about it, you know, so that, uh, you, and see what happens is that holds you to account to make sure you study so that these things happen so that God places them, uh, in your power. And so, um, it's one thing to say, well, well, you know, I'm, I'm a believer and I preach the gospel and I lead people to the Lord, but there's so much more to the ministry, you know, of God. Uh, that we haven't tapped into and and some of these things come through waves of dispensation sometimes the things that we are expecting to receive are dependent upon the obedience of prayers of other people in the body of Christ because we move as a body and that is not to say don't study don't do these things because somebody else has got to do their part first before you God doesn't make us wait on anything but sometimes the degree to which we want to see it takes effort in a, a more of a, um, a corporate thinking corporate that's why prophets are released in the earth with messages that tell people to expect how to expect what to expect that God's doing and how to stay in pace with God and, and how to stay uh, in step with God so that you won't miss the things that he's doing and so it really takes a mastermind like Jesus to work all of this together and coordinate all of these functions so that we can know what we're to do. But this is our part to study, to show ourselves approved and not be conformed to the world. That's so easy to do is to stay the way you are and, and kind of make excuses for why you don't pursue anything, you know, outside of, of what you, uh, you don't usually do. So our minds have to be renewed through meditation. That's our strongest. That's why the devil took it and perverted it so badly. Got Christians to the point we don't even want to hear that word. Because the Eastern religions took it over. The yoga people took it over. Everything, you know, is is meditating now. And, And Christians got scared of it. And we don't meditate enough anyway. You know, it's so easy for us because you got the Holy Spirit in you to give you total recall on the scriptures. You don't have to, to, you know, try to think of a phrase and keep thinking over and to sit out in the sun and get a, a little cart and all that, you know, a little rug and all that crazy stuff. That's, you know, you don't need all that paraphernalia. You can just go within and start to, to understand God. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we, we need to understand that, that God wants us to meet his approval in certain things. And I think that's something that people just don't really think about too much, you know? Um, if it doesn't come easy sometimes to some people, they give up pretty quickly, you know? I mean, nothing's gonna be easy that's worth pursuing. It's gonna take some effort on your part, and it's gonna take some sacrifice. Amen? I was, uh, thinking about that. I had a friend once, she was, um, involved in a women's prayer ministry. We kind of crossed one another's path, worked together for a season, and, and then it ended, but she was saying, uh, talking about 
the price, we were talking about the price people, you know, we were talking about price for the anointing and all them little cliche Christian things. And she pointed something out to me that I thought was kind of interesting. She said, yeah, she said, you know what, sometimes I, I keep a library of books that I use, I've used over the years. And I said, Lord said, said, that's part of the price I paid (laughs) for the knowledge that you've given me. Amen. And so these things like this, and see, sometimes the enemy can try and rob you of, of significance of things that we do in order to, to, um, you know, kind of prepare ourselves and so, and I thought about it. I said, man, talk about books. I got three, four bookshelves full of them. And, you know, now you get them electronically and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, but that kind of blessed me. And I thought, you know, during the times when the enemy would come to you and say, well, what are you doing to pay the price for this? Or who do you think you are to expect God to use you for such and such and so and so? And I said, look, devil, look at all them books. Ain't none of them about you either. Amen. Unless it's just talking about killing you or kicking your behind. Amen. They don't, they don't reflect a good light on you at all, devil. So, you know, but, but it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, God will put you among people who can help you to understand some things, shed a different light on them, all that kind of stuff to edify one another. And so this part of study is very, very important. Another thing, when you study, you're seeking something. And we're talking about going beyond seeking a thing or seeking God to do something that you need in a material sense, you know, but we are seeking understanding. When we, when we study, we are seeking understanding. Amen. And, and it, this is so much a big part of our own personal healing and also the healing ministry, you know, the healing, receiving the healing anointing. Um, uh, when you're in need of healing, study Jesus the healer and he will approve of your, your study and manifest healing in you. Rightly dividing the word of truth, we are seeking God and seeking God's um, uh, view on things, seeking understanding. So we want to understand God, how this works, how we can be successful. So the I looked up the word seek recently, and I, I was kind of kind of amazed at the the nuance of meaning. It it. It says here, and it really seeking here has to do more with attaining something invisible, spiritual, and immaterial than it does material. And see, when we talk about seek, knock, you know, ask, we're always thinking about stuff, stuff we need. But, but when you seek God, you get more than just the material comes later. What you get first is the spiritual. So seeking really means to question. No, put some questions before God. God, how is it that, you know, I can, can study every day and, and my healing doesn't seem to be any closer than it was yesterday? Amen. That kind of stuff. It also means asking, questioning to get understanding and an answer. So you want to get an answer from God. It means to inquire. 
to make a search? To be exact. It also means to cause to boil up or swell. So there's a deposit or impartation there that you're looking for. Amen. To boil up means to get what you want and then some. Amen. To swell means to grow bigger than you were before. So when you seek, you are, are looking to increase. You're looking to, to, for something permanent to come to you to make a difference. Seeking also means to sojourn and abide. So when you seek God, you're going to spend some time with him. You just take, you can't just question him like he's some kind of criminal. He owes you an answer. But you've got to make up your mind. You're going to spend some time abiding with God until he releases to you that which you need. Amen. It also means to seek hospitality with. I mean, you're, you're wanting to keep company with God. If you want to get understanding or you want, you're seeking him, you want to keep company with him. It means to stir up trouble. Amen. Because when you seek, you're going to find out some things about you you don't like, usually. Amen. You <laughs> That's what keeps us from getting too close sometimes. We don't want to hear no bad news. I'll wait on that aspect of it because in a way you know something's off kilter with yourself and that needs to get corrected. It also means to frequent a place. In other words, you don't go to God one time for something if you don't get it that first time you're done. You frequent something when you're seeking. To search out a matter, to investigate. To seek also means to take refuge. So when you're seeking understanding or seeking an answer from God, you're seeking all of those things come into play. You gotta want His hospitality. You gotta wanna Stay, stay there for a while, linger, take refuge. However long it takes, you need to be there until your, your thirst for whatever it is, is quenched. Amen. That's why God tells us to seek the kingdom first, not things first, because you, you gotta figure out what the rules are of the kingdom. You got to find out what's required uh of the kingdom. Amen. It's like if you went to a foreign country and you didn't speak the language and you want to get somewhere, you got to get an interpreter. So you got to seek their way of doing things, their manner of speaking, their manner of getting around, all those things. It's the same thing in God's kingdom. We're still learning about it. You're learning every day how to live in God's kingdom and live in harmony with him. Then we find out the kingdom's inside of us. You gotta find out how to release it. Then when to release it. You know, all the things that are, are needed, that's what our learning is about. Amen. So God wants us to, to be seekers. He wants us in, and we will re, be rewarded. Jesus said, seek and you'll find. Amen. Knock and it'll be open to you. So these doors of, of understanding, doors of knowledge, uh, doors that lead to, uh, I would say, a greater place than you are right now, they come from seeking the Lord and seeking what, what he wants and what does he have to say to you.
You may not get the answer you thought you wanted the first time you seek or the first time you knock. Amen. He knows what he's, what's it, what it's going to take for us to really receive what we're looking for and maintain it and hold on to it and, and put it to proper use. Amen. Uh, he wants us to receive his supernatural knowledge and understanding, but not have it wreck us. Amen. Because power can mess you up. Amen. You see it every day. We got preachers that are quitting the ministry every day. You know, you see them, boy, they can really preach the word and they really understand this and understand that. And they're doing things behind closed doors. Amen. And so that's not God's will for them. God's will is they live a holy life, but if if they pay the price to get the knowledge they have, then the Holy Spirit's prompting them to not abuse it and not not lose their reputation. But there's only so much He can do, you know. I mean, to <laughs> to derail people, <laughs> to to not to their own ruin. And so uh, this is something that happens, you know, after that good deposit is made, uh, people can get. And so God balances it with enough persecution and enough isolation in the things that we don't like so that we'll seek him more. Paul said, because of the revelations that I had received, God gave me a messenger from Satan to buffet me. Now, I haven't been taken up to heaven three times, but that doesn't mean I don't get the messenger of Satan <laughs> to buffet me. I have trouble just like you do. Amen? Because we're we're down here in a hostile environment trying to serve a living and loving God. And so, you know, those things happen. He said when the disciples, he talked to the disciples on the 30, 60, 100-fold return. He says, if you give up, Family, houses, lands, everything. He said, you get, but you get it with persecution. You think you're going to live like carnal millionaires and billionaires on my dime? No, you're not. So you're going to have a certain degree of persecution because if you get wealthy in the things of God, that makes you just that much bigger target for the enemy. Yeah. He's going to try to stop you from getting to the place where that anointing supposed to work. Amen. And so it comes with the territory. So you can't get real slap happy about, you know, wealth transfer. You know, these people who are getting all giddy about that, I don't think they really understand. All they hear is, you know, money. You know, you got to hear, you read the fine print. It comes with persecution. And most of them can't even handle somebody rolling their eyes at them looking funny in church. <laughs> They go to church and grin at everybody. How you doing, sister? And the minute somebody looks funny. Huh? <laughs> oh, baby. Huh? Oh. <laughs> going nowhere. Amen. So, I mean, you know, it's about growing up. Transformation. We transformed into the image of Christ. Amen. And, and that gives you a tough skin. You know, the Pharisees want to kill Jesus. If he got offended by daggers, my goodness, he would never have done anything. Huh? They daggered him back and forth. He did a miracle and helped somebody. They want to throw him off a cliff. 
<laughs> there goes the healing ministry, right? <laughs> Nobody wants a healing ministry now. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, but our study does come through meditation and questioning God. Sit back and think about it. instead of trying to get through your X number of, of chapters a day. Amen. For those of us who do chapters a day. Amen. I'm just being honest now, you know. Uh, it, 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 stop and, and find something. Just ask God, God, show me something you want me to know. Always take your scripture reading with some prayer. You know, I mean, I've had to slow myself down from trying to get through my chapters. You know what I'm saying? I've done that. And, and, but I just want to get comfortable with a real paper Bible. Because I don't trust the one on my phone. It's got demons. <laughs> Comes with devils. The minute you start picking up, put the Bible app on, you start thinking about all this. Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I gotta buy someone, so let me go on this site and see what they got on here. So. I got to do my Facebook birthdays, you know. You get more convicted about them birthdays sometimes than you do about your Bible reading. I want to fall behind them birthdays, man. They pile up real fast. So you get them done, right? Then your Bible sits there and you're blowing dust off of it. So, I mean, it's a trap coming and going, folks. So understanding always increases our faith. It increases our Christian character. It's wonderful when you understand God and understand the word. And you can see the application of the word in your life. You can see it work for you. You can see it work for others. Amen. And so that application of the word is what we what gives you the fruit that you're looking for. And that's how you know people is by their fruit. Amen. You know if people are applying the word. You know if they're really doing what being obedient to God because you see fruit in their lives. Amen. You see Christian maturity. You see them being able to take on challenges, spiritual challenges, you know, a little more successfully, all that kind of stuff. If you're not careful, your accomplishments will come to a standstill because you're not willing to challenge yourself to go deeper and to go farther in God. You know, some of the things that people just kind of shy away from that you know God wants them to have. I mean, just, just in a general sense, God wants them that's part of the blessed life. And yet they show no interest. They don't want to pray about it. It's it, They shy away from that area uh, and perfecting that area of life simply because they don't, don't want to challenge themselves to um, uh, get beyond their fear. Or get beyond some people don't change because they want to don't want to be wrong about the way they've lived up until that point. You know, saints are good at that kind of stuff, you know, and so we have to be willing to move beyond the point of of where we we get our 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 pride 
rankled because we don't want to admit we don't quite have that together and go into the word and delve a little bit more and get something else that we need so that we can be successful in all areas of life. I mean, faith is faith. Sometimes God will have you challenge yourself in a certain area and it has nothing to do with that area of your life. You need that faith for something else. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's just good to, to keep yourself in a place where you say, no, I'm not going to do that just on my own. I'm going to seek God and I'm going to ask him to lead me into it or help me with it or uh, do it this way or do it that way. You know, um, it's just a good thing to always challenge your faith and and understand when your faith is being challenged. Some people just don't know. They just get in the habit and routine of doing things the same old way all the time. And it's like, well, is this really taking faith for me to do this or, or it, am I just doing it? You understand what I'm saying? A lot of times people are, are content and the Bible tells us to be that way, but you still got to study to show yourself approved unto God. What's the next step God wants you to take? See, and there's always a next step, folks. I mean, you, you got to keep yourself in the faith hunt, so to speak. Just, just challenge yourself to stay challenged to do things the way of God. You know, you in in just to see if if you'll be successful at it, Amen. You know, just everyday things. I, I was thinking about this. I went to a, a tire store to get tires for for my truck, my new to me truck, and uh, it needed tires this year, and so I I let it snow one time, and I said, Nah, when this snow clears up, I'm gonna go get my tires. It's not gonna catch me. A second time, and so when I went in, the the um, the uh, uh, my vehicle is registered to the ministry, and the purchases toward that are tax exempt. Amen. And so, and I leave it that way because most of my work is done for the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? Like I don't have nothing personal. Like you ain't gonna find me at the movies, and you ain't gonna find me at the mall. You understand what I'm saying? And so when I went to the the desk and the guy told me, he said, oh, we don't take tax exempt. I said, oh, really? I said, why not? Well, we had, you know, at the end, my boss will get mad at me. And I said, well, he, you know, you can straighten that out with your boss. I said, but I don't owe you tax. I said, the government is not going to collect tax for anything that I purchase from you. I don't owe you tax. Well, yeah, no, I know people say that all the time, but yada, 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 yada. And he's kind of getting a little smart. And I looked out the window and I saw Firestone Tire right across the parking lot. I said, you going to get smart with your customer? I said, there's a big Firestone sign right across the parking lot. See, that's one of those Jesus called Pharisees, snakes and viper moments. You just have to call it what it is. And he said, uh, oh, we're killing them. I said, yeah, but you're killing me. I said, you're robbing me because I don't owe you tax money. 
Okay, I'm sorry. We'll find a way to, they sure took it off of there. I said, I don't care what you call it. You ain't getting no money out of me. A thousand dollars worth of tires. That's almost a hundred dollars. Are you kidding me? You know what I could do with a hundred? You know what a servant of God can do with a hundred dollars? And you gonna want to take it? Be thankful I'm making you take it off. Cause you won't be killing them across the, you mess with God's money enough, you ain't gonna be killing nobody up in here. You understand what I'm saying? Talking about your competition and all that. I said, no, let's get this straightened out. So then he take it off the bill and that little buddy up at the cash. They see, ma'am, this is how we did that. You know, we, we didn't charge you tax. We didn't shut up. So then I guess the devil just wasn't satisfied. I said, he tried to make another bid in the, guy that was putting the tires on came out and asked me he said um do you have the the lock the key for the locks on your wheels and i said no sir i do not i said um i said i bought it at an auction in florida i said wherever the lock is it's probably in florida somewhere and so he said oh he said we got to charge you ten dollars a wheel to, to remove them, he said, um, I said, you mean you're going to take the $40, take $40 or the 80 I just got from y'all back? Oh, no, ma'am, I won't. I'll take them off for nothing this time. I said, I know so well you will, devil, and don't come up in my face again. Now, I'd had enough from him for one day. It's going to be persistent. I mean... <laughs> That's what I mean by using my faith. See, I don't want my faith just to lie dormant and I just get passive with everything. You know, the devil will rob you blind if you let him. You get nothing from me. I decide to take my stand there. You know, you can always get the sevenfold return. Sometimes that's the coward's way out. I'm not waiting on return because you ain't getting mine up front. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> nonsense so you got to keep your 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 uh sword sharpened <laughs> whatever you know just start whacking stuff and keep it keep your tempo together you know it's just it's just good for you it's good for you you don't get walked over in this life amen you have to do those things that that faith commands that you do amen because once you start rolling over for the devil, he never gets tired of robbing you. Amen. Like he gonna give you mercy. So, so anyway, you, you always have an opportunity to use your faith. Use your faith every time you get an opportunity to do it. Amen. Amen. So understanding and not so much repetition is the key to faith. So sometimes we can get in the habit of confessing the word and not really in dis- detach ourselves from the purpose of our confession. Purpose of your confession is so that you can hear faith and you can keep your faith strong. And so in all you're getting, we are to get understanding. Amen. Not repetition and not things that we think we need and we want, but we want understanding. So is through faith that we understand. Amen. According to Hebrews 11, 1, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
Amen. And so we, we understand through faith. You must believe what you hear and then you get understanding. Other than that, sinners would be very smart because they don't have to believe what they hear. Amen. You, you, you have to believe what you hear in order to get understanding. And we, when we talk about believing, we talk about using the measure of God, of the God kind of faith to understand the word. So when we believe we can receive understanding. Amen. It's why the, the Pharisees were so angry at Jesus. They'd come around and sit and listen, but they weren't mixing faith with what they were hearing. And so they question him and question him and well, what about this and what about that? Well, you got to believe before God will give you understanding. Amen. So the disciples would ask them, why do you always talk in parables around them? And he said, because their heart is wax gross. Their hearts are too hard for them to really understand anything. That's why it's hard for you to do much for your sinner relatives or your sinner friends or you know, anybody, you can you can only do so much for them because their their hardened hearts keep them from believing. Amen. So you got to ask God to soften their hearts. God touch them. You know, just just soften them up, God. Let them in mercy. You want their hearts to be softened so they can understand. So you know that you don't want them to go to deathbed like that. Amen. And and if you Pray for them now and ask God to touch them. They'll live a better life every day. In your life better because you serve God? So you want other people in, into that life as well. So through faith we understand and we believe and we receive understanding through our faith. If faith is merely a matter of confessing a reputa- repetition, then a robot can have faith. You know, Alexa can have faith. Uh, If faith is merely a matter of copying movements, inflection, tone of voice, volume of speaking, then a machine can have faith. Amen. Because you can get a machine program machine to do everything that a human voice can do and and move with those movements too. But faith comes and it is released by the Holy Spirit when we hear the word of God. And so it is a living spiritual force. So right now faith is going out. If we can pay attention the whole time we're here, you'll have enough to get you through at least till tomorrow. No, I'm messing with you. The whole week. <laughs> the whole week. <laughs> You know, pretty much. And, and, of course, you do your study and your personal study through the week and, and worship God and that kind of thing. But revelation and understanding comes through the gifts of God. Amen. The ministry gifts of God. And so it, it's they all work together. you got to do all of it. Amen. Some people, when they go to church, they think church is everything and they're faithful churchgoers, but they don't crack a Bible during the week. After a while, you're, you're, you're gonna live a defeated life if you don't have that personal where you can go to the Word and get validated that which you hear. Amen? And, and it's a good thing. So faith comes and it's released to us by the Holy Spirit when we hear the Word of God. 
Amen. When we hear the word of God. That's why it's good to focus on the word. During the times that the word is going forth, stay focused on it. So that you don't be so easily distracted. You know, don't don't always have something else you hot to get doing, you know, when the word is over. Because your attention will drift. You know, if you got stuff you just dying to do or you pressed, don't, don't press yourself. Rest yourself. Amen. Let yourself rest in the things of God and let that word minister to you. So, you know, you got enough press when you get out of here. Amen. Somebody's always pressing you for something. So we must, <clears throat> uh, Hang on a minute. Let me bring this down here. Uh, We have to mix the word with our faith. So you decide that you're going to believe what you hear. The decision to believe what we hear is essential. And we have to pay attention in order to hear. So when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, that's our example for how to pay attention to the word. She stopped what she was doing in the kitchen with her sister, you know, just between me and you. I got a little Martha in me. I don't like my sister to leave me in the kitchen. Uh, (laughs) So that wasn't just really out of the way to do. Got all these people sitting up here and ain't no man gonna lift their hand to do nothing around here. If so, we don't want to mess it with too much stuff in here, but, you know, back in the day. But, uh, uh, it wasn't the time for that. See, there's always time. I mean, the things of God always take precedence. And then Mary paid attention to pretty much every word Jesus said, it seems like, because she appreciated that he would die and the rest of the disciples were in denial about it. You know, he can't die. I'm dependent on him to do this, that, and the other for me. Amen. So they didn't want to mix that word with faith. Just like sometimes we don't want to hear some things that, that are true from God's word. We don't want to mix them with our faith. And so she, she sat there because she understood priority, timing, all of that. It was time to listen to what he was saying. And so she, she was able, um, when she came in and, and poured the, the ointment on him, he said, she's anointed me for my burial. So she was one of the few who believed he really was going to die. You got me? She went to embalm him at the tomb and, and was rewarded for her faith because she was one of the first to know that he was raised from the dead. And so that faith always has a reward to it that God makes sure that, that you get your reward if you believe. Amen. So believing will always bring a reward in our lives. There's, there's not a time where you believe God's word that it will not bear fruit for you. Amen. So, so when you understand what God wants to do with us through our faith, amen, don't harden your heart against the word. I don't care how much it beats you upside your head. The reason it's still beating you upside your head is because your heart's still hard. You got me? Let's say it again. The reason it keeps beating you upside your head is because your heart is hardened against it. Amen? Learn how to just open up and say, well, God, help me with this. This is real hard for me. This is a hard saying. 
Amen. You got to help me with this one, God, because I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it and whatever, whatever. And, and God will, will talk you off the ledge, so to speak, bring you back in the window and show you it's not the end of the world if you change how you think and how you believe about this certain thing. Amen. Uh, you know, there, there are times and then there are things that we believe at our own level of understanding at a certain season and then at another time he'll bring greater understanding it's the same foundation but then he begins to add something to it got me because it, it, like he'll he'll on on the the issue of sin and forgiveness you know once something is confessed it's forgotten by god and God will treat it like it never happened. But you tell religious people that and they won't take you to court. You understand what I'm saying? Because they can't let go of it. They project that onto God. Well, see, we're made in his image. He's not made in ours. So we got to understand. So your goal should be, God, let me get like you. You don't remember my sin anymore. You don't remember my husband's sin or my former boyfriend's sin or whoever's sin. You don't remember that stuff anymore. Amen. So you got to get yourself to a place where you don't either. Amen. And and if you tend to hold on, this is the other thing about faith. It tends to work consistently with what we believe. So if you believe that somebody is is... Say like if you refuse to forgive and just release that to God and you hold on to it against a person, guess what's going to happen to you when you need to forgive yourself? Because the word is a two-edged sword. Your faith creates a two-edged sword of what you believe. You can't believe something about somebody and it not backfire on you. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's just good to forgive so that God can forgive you. When you're forgiven, you walk free and you let others walk free also. And so people don't feel that, you know, that's so elementary. They don't see it as an issue, but it's an issue for a lot of people, a lot of Christians. You know, there are people that are are still mad at some people because of the life they lived. And and I don't care if you don't think they're a Christian or you don't think they repented or whatever. You still can't hold that against them and be in right standing with God. You know, you sit up there and want to judge folk and all that kind of stuff. And if it's if you're wrong in it, you'll suffer the consequence. You know, you just will. I was uh, looking at um, this girl, the Bible teacher girl, Beth Moore. She's supposedly a Southern Baptist. So this week she's breaking with the Southern Baptist, you know, and uh, it's over President Trump, you know, and she thought he was the most vile person because she's had all of this abuse in her life and she he's abused women. and yeah, But the man claims to be a Christian now. You know, so his sins are forgiven. The blood, the same blood that's, that's cleansing you is cleansing him. 
Well, her mouth got her in such trouble, she's lost. She's suffered almost a $2 million loss in her revenue. You understand what I'm saying? So she's breaking with them because she connects them with the trouble she's in. You understand what I'm saying? And she still holds to Trump is the most vile person she's ever heard of. And how can you evangelicals even support him and yah this and yah that? And I'm thinking to myself, lady, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You're going to challenge a whole group of people. You know, vote the way you want to vote, but don't use the platform that God built you to tear somebody down publicly. See, I don't think that's ever right. I mean, you have to really be hearing from God to do that, and you better have a thus saith the Lord and be a, a credible prophet if you're going to do that kind of You understand what I'm saying? That That's for some people to do. But that ain't for everybody to do, folks. So now she's seeing her meetings get canceled. This has been going on for four years. Everything's tanking for her. You know, sometimes you need to say, God, maybe you did put that man in the White House. Maybe I need to shut up and you understand what I'm saying? But see, when you're in that place of being everybody and everything, you don't change. How you think. You don't change your mind. You don't change your words. You don't change anything. See, you can be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. You just, you know, whatever it is, it just, it'll backfire on you. So the fruit will always prove out whether whether or not you believe what you're believing is right. But see, what people don't understand about judging other people's sins, faults, whatever, is that at some point you start to accuse the blood of Jesus as not being effective to cleanse sin. See what I'm saying? Because there's when when that's why accusation is so wrong as far as God's concerned. Because if a person is blood bought, whether they're messing up now or not doing right now, whatever, you got to leave that alone and leave that to God because pretty soon you'll start to use your mouth and, and start attacking and all that kind of stuff. And after a while, you start to insult God and Calvary and what Jesus did freely giving his life for everybody. Amen. So if you see somebody in error, you need if you can't pray for them, leave them alone. But the correct thing to do is to pray that they will come clean and get right before God, be reestablished, all that kind of stuff. That's the right thing to do. Um, what she did, I think, is just incorrect. Now, that's my humble opinion, but I wouldn't step out and do stuff like that. you got to leave that kind of stuff alone. You know, God can handle everything. Some things we need to leave up to him to handle. Amen? So we, we're to turn away from vain and profane babblings. Amen? Ungodliness, uncleanness, dragging people through the mud, that kind of stuff. We've all sinned and fallen short from the, of the glory of God. And so we, we've got to let that be our standard. Amen? So if, if we can forgive others, we will be forgiven. But God said, if you don't forgive people, you don't get it either. Amen? It's one thing he does hold us to account for. He will not forgive us if we don't forgive others. So 
So anyhow, it's always good. Forgiving is always the right road to take. Amen. It's the best thing to do. It's always appropriate. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, so anyway, we're going to talk about some people that meditated or studied and they met Jesus's approval. Amen. Um, and got healed or got what they were asking for. So the first one, turn to Luke chapter seven. This one's about the centurion. Seven verse one says when now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum and a certain centurion servant. I always like that word certain. I just always circle that one when I see it. Yes, that means they got singled out and got what they wanted. A certain centurion servant. Who is certain always means a person in faith. Amen. That points to faith. A certain centurion servant who was dear to him. Now this man loved his servant, was sick and ready to die. He was near death. When he heard of Jesus, he sent to the elders of the Jews to ask him if he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying, instant really means with, with urgency, amen, anticipation, uh, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loves our nation and built us a synagogue. So this was a centurion's calling card to the religious is always money. Money, influence, that's what moves religion. And so so they said, because that's not going to move Jesus to do something one way or the other. But it's not going to stop him from doing it either. So sometimes we get into these situations where it looks a little muddy as far as why Jesus did this. But he uh, clearly explains it to them. So, so. Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends to meet him, saying to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. He says, for I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Neither did I think myself worthy to come to you. So this centurion says, Jesus, I got no reason to expect you to do anything for me. I ain't one of y'all peeps. I don't go to your temple. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm just, I don't measure up. I'm going to say it again. I'm not one of y'all. I don't go to your temple. I don't measure up. Every time we express doubt to God, that's what's going on. We don't feel we measure up. Even though we say, well, I believe I received it. Because, see, worthiness is more of a feeling than it is a fact. And there are a lot of days I don't feel like I measure up. I mean, I don't feel 
outcasts or anything like that. But, you know, sometimes you, you rely so much on feelings. How you, how you feel about yourself. Did you, what, what side of the bed did I get up on this morning? You know, how am I doing? Is it, you know, maybe I need to worship more and get myself into a place where I feel like I can expect God to do something for me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we go through all of that. And if you feel like that, go ahead and worship God and get that yank off of you so that you can get where worthy isn't an issue anymore. Amen. Cause it really isn't. Who can measure up? You gotta ask, you gotta repent and ask God to put something on you so you feel like you belong there. Cause we don't, if we're not in righteousness, we're not in faith, we're not in faith righteousness, we always feel unworthy. So it's up for us, up to us to shed that veil of the flesh and step over into the righteousness of God again. You know, they get that, they get that bloodbath and get that cleansing again so that we can, we can boldly step, feel confident about being in his presence. And so he says, he says, I'm not even worthy that you should come to my house. And he said, I didn't think myself worthy to even ask you. That's why I sent somebody. Now, how many of y'all get calls from people and they ask you to pray for them? That's what's going on here. Because if they felt good about all this and confident, they'd do it themselves. That's the, we, we take the unworthy across the threshold to get in the presence of God. We do this all the time. We bring their needs to God. We put their name down on a prayer request thing. We pray for them continually. We have all kinds of people that fall into this category. So he sent somebody he felt would be acceptable to Jesus. <laughs> Pharisees, right? <laughs> Shows you what that boy knew. Huh? They weren't in faith either. They go to Jesus and they ask him and they tell him this about the man. They say he's worthy because he spent money building the synagogue. Huh? So they're not in faith either. Not in righteousness. Because the to them, it's about doing favors for people because they spend some coin up there with you. Huh? That ain't right. But what happened? Jesus went with them anyway. So he never does things because we're worthy. He does things because he's worthy. So he's able to read through all this yada yada of Pharisees and, and he says he went with them. So he sensed compassion. He goes because he's compassionate. Now we think, oh, faith is everything. Ooh, you know, mm-mm. 
Because God has to contribute something of himself to the issue. Amen. He has to change what's going on in the situation so that he can move on our behalf. So he decides to follow these people to this man's house, more than likely because he feels compassion for this situation. This servant of his, he really loves him, and Jesus is thinking, well, he must care about this servant, or he wouldn't have gone through all this trouble to send these people here to ask me. So he begins to be moved with compassion and follows. Why didn't he take faith to get Jesus to move? Because he brings it with him. You can't have faith without him. Mark 11.22 says, have faith in God. So just the asking is enough faith to move him. Well, you know, this should take some pressure off some of us that think we got to have mountain-moving faith 24-7 and be in the spirit all day long to get God to do something for us. Huh? This takes a great deal of pressure off. Because he's bringing the faith with him when he comes. That's why it's good to lawyer up when you get in trouble with sickness. And you get trouble. Turn your face to the wall. Don't talk to nobody. Don't tell the doctors nothing. Don't lawyer up. And he says, when, when he says, verse six, Jesus went with them when he was not far from the house. The centurion sent friends to him again. He still don't feel worthy and said to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Wherefore, neither did I think myself worthy to come to you. But if you will say in a word that my servant shall be healed. So this man is waiting for word to come back to him. The same way he sent word out, he's looking for word to come back. So he's looking for these servants to come back and say, Jesus says your servant is healed. Amen. And so he's depending on his word. He says, for I am also a man set under authority. Set under authority authority does not work in a hit or miss fashion it doesn't work because you like god one day and the next day you looking for trouble authority works when you're set under it you have a permanent position under god in the office that he calls you to, if you're a believer or believer's ministry, as a parent, you know, over your children, under your husband, whatever it is, you have to be set in that place and not move. So he had a position as a centurion. He was set there. He said, and because I'm set there, the authority flows. He said, I say to this guy, go and do it. This one, go and do and do that. So, and I say, you're also a man under authority. He sees Jesus not so much as a mere man, but he sees a man with authority that has command over sickness, command over demons, command over everything that comes against him. So he figured it out. He understood. He meditated. He studied. 
See, a lot of times God will respond to us in a way that's not a big reach for us to understand. He'll bring something to us right where we can grab it and, 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 and capture it. So this man related to his own work. And he was able to see Jesus fit into that design in his work the same as, as he did. And so many times when we need faith, you don't have to look very far. Just look around your own circumstances. Look in your situation. Look at how you were raised. Look at, at people around you and how they function, how they do the things that they, you do. It's no mystery. God will open up understanding to us when we're void of understanding. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So that should have sent the Pharisees, the messengers packing. That should have sent everybody packing. Where this, you know, centurion who's worshiping a pagan god, probably temple prostitutes in the whole nine yards, he's getting favor with God above these people that work in the temple that this guy paid for. Amen. And he says, no, not the, and they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. So this, this centurion's faith surpassed that of all the faithful. You gotta have faith in God. You, you, you can't be there to challenge the word, challenge Jesus and challenge everything. You know, put your little challenge away. Amen. And humble yourself. And, and accept what God is saying. He will put things in your heart that you have no clue how they got in there. You'll open your mouth one day when you let him get a hold of your tongue and you'll wonder, man, that was pretty good. I think I'll try that over again. Amen. See if it works a second time. But, but studying, meditating is worth it is worth everything. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for the things that you're doing in our lives to help us, help us grow, help us to study and meditate and do all the things that we need to do according to your holy word. So we thank you, Lord, for that. We honor you. And we love you. Help us help this word to bear fruit in us. We want to use this word. We want to be changed by this word. We want to grow as a result of this word. All right, why don't we do our confession? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It's so decreed.